You're listening to the Benchwarmers Podcast Network, and this is Ride the Pine. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the first edition of Ride the Pine Presents Healthy Scratch. This is going to be a weekly roundup, maybe, of the NHL with myself, Kenny Hutton, and my boy Adam Freeman. Adam, how you doing tonight? I think weekly is a lofty goal for us. Uh, let's shoot for maybe weekly, bi-weekly at best. <laughs> I mean, at, at, at this point, we're, we're knocking it out of the park with potentially two episodes this week. So We, we might catch Put Me in Coach pretty quickly. Well, they've been caught. All right, so, <laughs> so here's what we're going to do in our uh, first ever episode of our spinoff of Ride the Pine. We're going to go through the NHL draft. Um, we're going to review the top ten. Adam and I are going to debate best draft, worst draft. We're going to talk about a couple of the trades around the league. And then if we got time, there will be time, we're going to talk about the Blues and their 2023 draft. So... Top 10 review. No shocking news to anybody, but Connor Bedard goes number one overall to a uh, certain team. Is it uh, Chicago? Um, I think you have to put more emphasis on the I. Chicago. 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 Yeah. Okay. And I think their name's racist, so I'm not going to say it. Yeah, we, Um, we can't say that on this. Leo Carlson. Goes number two to the Ducks. Adam Fantilli, number three to the Blue Jackets, who I think jumped up on stage quicker than any team I've ever seen. They were in a dead sprint to get on the stage to make that call. The uh, the Sharks getting jiggy with it. With number four overall, they drafted William Smith. Uh, <laughs> Las Habitants. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, number five, dra- drafted uh, David... Uh, Reinbacher, which was a great—that's a great pick for them, by the way. <sighs> we'll get to that. Um, the Arizona Coyotes, or uh, if you want to call them like the Houston Aces or the Quebec City whatevers, San Diego Golden Seals. Oh, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> oh, is that too many words, though? I don't care. It doesn't matter. All right, fair. Um, I think that's what San Diego is translated to, right? Loosely? <laughs> Something with a whale. Uh, they took yeah. Dmitry Simichev. The Philadelphia Flyers take... Uh, is it Makave? I think it's Matvi. Matvi, whatever. Mikoff. Washington Capitals, again, once again, jumped. Those two teams, the Blackhawks, or not the Blackhawks, the, the Blue Jackets and the Capitals, I don't think I've seen first-round picks go faster. Like, they yeah, jumped at the chance. They drafted Ryan Leonard. The, the, NA, or the NFL would have been pissed had they made the draft that big, or draft that fast. Oh, I know. The Red Wings select Nate Danielson out of the Western Hockey League. The, the Western Hockey League had a good good night last night. And then wrap, wrapping, wrapping up the top ten, our St. Louis Blues take... Labor Dvorsky. <laughs> you got the last name right. <laughs> I think it's you're, a good pick. I, I liked it. 
your brother called him Dilly Bar, and I was like, that's Dilly what I'm Bar. Refer, uh, that's, that's what I'm going to refer Dilly him to him as. Dilly Bar and Jurassic Park. <laughs> <sighs> so that is your top ten and arguably one of the deepest classes in a decade. Um, Adam, thoughts on the first round? Who had, you know, we can include all the other rounds if you paid attention. Um, who do you think had the best draft? I mean, honestly, I think the big one to me is Buffalo. I think Buffalo had a really good draft getting Zach Benson, who was probably should have been a top five to eight pick. They got him at 13. Um, they got Anton Wahlberg, who was probably a late first-round draft pick. They got him at 38, 39, somewhere right around there. Um, and then they had two other guys, too, that I liked that were in the second. One was in the second round. Um, that was Maxime Strabach. I think he's going to Michigan State. Um, and then uh, Gavin, oh, what the hell was his last name? McCarthy. He was one of the U.S. kids. Um, I mean, I think overall they had a very solid draft. And I think part of that is because they were able to get Benson so late. The other team that I thought had a very good draft, um, I honestly think it was Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia getting Michkov, Bonk, and uh, oh, oh God, was it uh, Newble, K-N-U-B-L-E. Um, mm-hmm. I think they had a very good draft, and I think they also got a kid that a lot of guys are thinking they got, I think, like 130, 135, somewhere in that range, that'll probably be an NHLer as well. And when you hit that late that'll be an NHLer, that's a pretty good draft. The Flyers have been interesting, right? Um, oh, yeah. Clearly, there's a leak in Daniel Briere's office, or he is going to play the game that way. I, I don't know if it was him or Hayes' camp with all the stuff that went down with the Blues, um, but it was a little bit concerning. Um, I think the Chicago Blackhawks had a really good draft, and that pains me to say. Um, yeah, anytime, you couldn't mess it up. In, in, anytime you get a talent like Bedard... Um, it's going to pay dividends. Um, I don't think he is going to be Sidney Crosby good um, or McDavid good, but he could be McKinnon, who, with the right tools around him, will bring a Stanley Cup to that city. I'm just hoping it's in the time frame it took McKinnon, like, a decade. So The only thing is, is that they have the cap space to be able to do it, and they seem to be acquiring it. And let's not forget who is still going to be a UFA going into uh, July 1st, and that is Patrick Kane. Um, I think there's probably a little bit of under-the-table dealing going on when he got traded, that he's going to end up coming back to Chicago. I could also, it's 50-50, I could still see him staying over on the East Coast as well. Um, But if you get Kane in there, and you have Taylor Hall, and then you don't really have to rely on Bedard as much... That's even better for him, but I think Bedard mm-hmm. goes out and scores 30 goals. I really do. I, I think he's got the talent to be able to do it. The only problem is going to be size, but he's got the skill. He's, I, I don't think it's going to be – I don't know. I think he could be Sidney Crosby. I'm not going to go that far. I think sometimes these the, the kids from the Western Hockey League take a little bit longer to develop, and I don't know why. Um, it seems like the kids who come from the OHL – really have an upper uh, uh, a better step into the league versus the Quebec Major Junior League and then the Western Hockey League and then the kids from Europe so well I think it's because the OHL gets all the talent I mean that's the league that everybody wants to try to go play in everybody wants to go play in Ontario it gets a lot of attention nationally in Canada even down here it gets the attention 
when you get into Quebec and you get into the Western League, it's just not it's not as popular. And I mean, really, you're looking at like second and third tier. It's like EPL, the Championship League, basically. Good, um, so good think, fishing in Quebec, but um, yeah. So I think that's why you get all the big kids there, and it pays off. So let's pivot. Who do we think had the worst draft? I had to do and, some research, and, and I believe there is truly a correct answer. I had to do some research and did a little bit of digging. It's Ottawa. Ottawa basically did a draft that apparently nobody thinks will ever make the NHL. Not one player is predicted to make the NHL. Okay, now, I, they didn't gave know, up a, <laughs> I didn't know it was that bad. They gave up a lot. <laughs> uh, I like, read a couple things. I think the best one was, uh, at least the best grade that they got was a D-. minus. Um, Daily Faceoff says none of these guys will be NHLers. Uh, Ho- Hoyt Stanley is a defenseman. He's good at skating, but a long shot to make the NHL. Um, the Senators know who they are and what they are, what they want to be, and this draft was going to be make it or break it anyway. So they didn't really care going into this draft, um, which is fine, and I think that's why they drafted the way they did. Here's what I'll say. When you don't have a first-round pick, it's it's, tough. Easy to, it's easy to say they've had the worst draft, and the NHL is the biggest crapshoot as far as the draft goes. Um, if you draft seven kids a year, Average is like point nine. Make it, make it to the league. Right. Um, so again, higher risk. Um, but when you have two first round picks in the top twelve, and you select the two kids you did, and that's not to say anything about the the two players that were drafted. The Arizona Coyotes had. <laughs> The worst draft. That's a good point. <laughs> Dmitry Simichev, who I had it, was like the number one or the number twenty four ranked skater. Um, goes six overall. Was shocked. Was shocked he got drafted. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I believe his last name is pronounced Butte. Butte. Yeah. I believe it's not Daniel but. Butte. Yeah. Two um, eyes and one T. Was like in the forties. Yeah. They're like, what? Um, so I think the Coyotes, hands down, had the worst draft. Yeah, I mean they did go out and get a goalie who's probably the best goalie in the draft. With I think his name is Rayball or Robble, however you want to say it. H R A B E L. Um, he's a big dude, and that does concern me with goalies. Like being a big dude as a goalie is great. You can be the best goalie and at the young age because you can take up a lot of the net. But when you get to guys that can actually shoot the puck and hit all the corners and all the spots, being big does have disadvantages. Some guys are able to do it. Ben Bishop was able to do it. Um, but but Bishop six, was hurt a lot. Bishop was hurt a lot, yeah. I mean, when you're 6'7", and you're dropping down into the butterfly, you're going to damage your knees and hips real easy, and that's what hurt Bishop. I mean, I'm burying what I truly believe as far as the best draft, but we'll get to that. All right, Adam, trades around the league that happened in the the – coming up into the draft what do you got for us yeah so i mean as you came into the draft and literally draft day i think we only had what one trade that actually went down during the draft um maybe a couple others like random ones here and there um but on draft day you had uh, ross colton get drafted um he went from the uh, lightning to the avalanche uh you had riley smith who moved basically for nothing um to pittsburgh from vegas 
And that was really it, which is very disappointing. I thought for sure, especially the Blues, and I think we'll get to that here in a little bit, I thought the Blues would make a deal for sure for at least one of their second picks, uh, or second or third picks. The big one to us is obviously Hayes being traded from the Flyers to the Blues, and that's where I I don't understand what happened. Once again, Armstrong fleeces Philadelphia, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, <laughs> this time we just didn't give him a cocaine dealer. Um, I mean, let's – Hold on, I want to, I want to, I want to say something to that. The amount of like people that were like, "Oh, Daniel Briere is going to fleece Doug Armstrong," and I'm just like, in the lead up to it, I'm just like, "Oh boy, get ready!" And then you get, then you get a player who, in Kevin Hayes, who's played in the West when the West was the West, right? Mm -hmm. A couple years ago, Blues win the Stanley Cup. That 15 to 20 stretch where the West was the West, and he's played in it. He's coming off a career year. Like, oh, and by the way, we're going to take 50% of his salary. Thanks a lot. Yeah, for, hold on, a sixth-round draft pick. And, okay. And every, <laughs> yeah, and everybody's sitting here going, oh, he's old. Blah, blah, blah. No, Kevin Hayes is coming off his best career year, and yeah. he had 36 assists. What if you put him with a Jordan Cairo? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. We'll Go to that part. Um, you had uh, Sean Dursey was traded from the Kings to the Coyotes. Or no, yeah, traded to the Coyotes. Um, Brian Johansson was traded by the Predators. And he went to the Avalanche. So some big trades. I mean, definitely some player movement, which is always fun to see. Not quite like the NBA, but it's Pierre always fun to Luke see it. Dubois. Oh, yeah, we forgot about Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's I, a big I, trade, which I think they gave up a ton to get him. I, I think the Kings made a bad move on that. I think, yeah. um, is it Vitilli? Vitilli's going to be a good player. Um, and, and then the other kid they gave up, I was shocked. Yeah, LaFalo, or Ayafalo and uh, Kupari. I mean, two guys yes, that I probably, yeah, that you don't want to, uh, probably don't want to lose, but, I mean, I don't know. It almost seems like the Kings are going for it to me, so let's see how that goes. And they're in the, you, the freaking West. It's tough. You you would think in a division with the Knights you have to you have to gun up. Um, man, that, I just don't see it though. Um, and then I think the other one that's interesting is the Devils acquiring Tyler Toffoli from from Calgary, and then they get uh, Yeg. I'm going to butcher his name every time I try to say it. I cannot do it. We're going to try it. it. Yegor Sharon Gudjovic. Uh, Nailed it. Third, yeah. Um, he's actually on two of my fantasy teams, and I still cannot pronounce his last name. <laughs> so it is what it is. Um, but I think that's big. I think the Devils are another team that were close um, that are making the deals, and they signed Timo Meyer. Team, too, so that, I think that's a great signing for them. Yeah. So all around, I think some decent movement. Um, I really think the biggest trade to me, I really do think it's Hayes to the Blues, and I'm not saying that being the Blues fan that I am. I'm saying that because I think that that sets the forward lineup for them. Um, I also think that you have a team, a team like Vegas that is able to trade Riley Smith. And granted, they're just doing it to get rid of Cap. Um, they also were then able to go out and sign Barbashev, which Barbashev may have been a flash in the pan. What he did in basically the playoff run leading into the Stanley Cup, and he may or may not repeat it, but he got a deal, and I think he's probably a better player than Riley Smith. Um, so I think overall that's probably the second best trade that I would go to. My only issue with Barbashev, and I love Barbie, is um, I think his value is probably about a half million dollars too much. 
Probably. Um, Knights want to pay it. That's fine. I don't. I, I would never have seen the Blues giving him five million dollars, which is okay. No, I think he probably to us he has the value about three to three and a half. I mean, I probably would pay him what I would pay Hayes. Yeah. I mean, bottom six forward. So. Yeah. But I again, I think as somebody that likes to see chaos in the draft. Um, I was really expecting a lot more movement. Uh, we're sitting at the Gold Cup games last night, or flipping through and refreshing, and it's literally just pick after pick after pick. And I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" Like, I don't, I don't remember that being common for many drafts. Usually, you have a lot of player movement, and like I said, especially with the Blues, I thought for sure once it got to 25 that we were going to dump that pick. I f- I feel like the year I don't remember it was the year we drafted Petrangelo, so 08, where I mean, you're talking about a you could argue that the 08 draft was the deepest first round in NHL history. Um, the other year when they drafted three first overall, so who that that would have been like Oshi, Perron, and Berglund, right? Yeah. I feel like that yeah. was like, oh, they're going to make all these moves, and then nobody makes any moves, and they draft everybody. So... Yeah, I mean, it's still... I guess when you really think about it, if you in this situation, I guess this can transition into into our blues coverage unless you have more as far as trades goes. But nah. you know, I think that it when you look at what they did with Hayes, really the only change that we need to do now is the blue line. Like you know, I, my theory and like you had mentioned, like who do you put Hayes on a line with? Honestly, if it's me, I'm gonna set the opening day lineup of Kairu Thomas and Booch with Hayes, Shen, and probably. I don't know. I, I go back and forth between Verona and Kapanen. So either one of those on the second line, I would put Shen, uh, the other one, Kapanen or Verona, with Blay on the on the third line, and then your fourth line. What you could probably flip flop Blay, but I would put uh, Torpchenko and then flip either Blay and Neighbors with really whoever decides to show out in camp. I mm-hmm. really think that it could be Zach Dean. Uh, that's the player that I have kind of earmarked for. Uh, being able to make a move he made a, a late run last year um, was getting a lot of attention started putting up a bunch of points I think he's got an opportunity to be able to make the club and I think that would be huge but then you still have the struggle at defense I think I think Bolduke is probably the closest prospect Bolduke would be good too I think Snuggerud's a little bit of a ways out um, yes Bolduke wouldn't be a bad option I mean really I could see both of those guys and I wouldn't hate either of those guys playing on that fourth line I'd, hell, I'd swap them, you know, play two games, and then the other guy plays two games. Um, and at least with the versatility of Shin, you can play him at the wing. So if you brought up another center, yeah. it wouldn't really matter. Yeah. But I do think the defense is the worst part. And I had a couple interesting conversations, especially, like, through our text threads and, and different people. But, like, I don't – the the comment that came out to me about Armstrong and the whole, like, trying to trade crew deal – you know, it was, I'm not talking about trades. I'm not talking about rumors. Every question, however it was phrased, I'm not talking about the rumor. He said something that was very interesting. He said, we have the same defensive core that won 109 points. Other than Letty, Letty's the only difference, but they have the same core that got 109 points two years ago. And that last year was a shitty year. Like, you really got to wonder if it's coaching. Did the message go stale? Did the, the scheme go stale? It's really hard to pair them, even if you look at Falk, Krug, Pareko, Letty, you probably have Scandella, and then Bortuzzo as your top six. What? How do you put those guys together? Because you can't put Krug and Falk together. 
You really can't put Pareko with Krug and Falk. You can't really put Letty with anybody except for Pareko. And then now you're putting Scandella and Bortuzzo as your second pair, or potentially on your second pair. You're in a lot of trouble in that situation. I think they need to move one of those guys. Unfortunately, I think it's going to end up being Pareko. I, Pareko, I don't want to see go because it's really hard to find that combination of size and talent. Granted, he hasn't shown it. But when you have a guy that's that big, it's really hard to find it, and you try to find a way to get him to do what he needs to do. Plus, he's 30. I would like to see Krug moved. Um, but that's their biggest struggle right now. My biggest problem with Pareko is he plays like Tory. Well, hold on. Tory Krug plays like he should be in Colton Pareko's body. Correct. Colton Pareko plays like he should be in Tory Krug's body. If we could, like, swap him. Right. And, and I heard somebody say the other day it was, you know, Krug doing what he did and, like, you know, obviously the infamous hit in game two. I think so. Where he, you know, charges down the down the ice and yeah. runs Robert Thomas. He can't do that anymore. That was four no. years ago. He, he's getting older, you know. Um, we need Pareko to be that. And... Man, he is so disappointing. And if he was, if he was, if he's the odd man out, as disappointing as I would would be, I'm not going to be like as disappointed. I was really worried because they they hadn't reported that uh, Falk had been asked to waive his no trade. I'm like, oh no, oh yeah. no, like don't this, get rid of that. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not trading Falk at, for Sandheim. And I'm like, oh boy. Well, and I think that's the thing, though, is that if, if Pareko goes for Sanheim or Pareko goes for a Hannafin, I'm okay with that. I, I would 100% accept that because I think that I think it resets our lineup. You can put somebody like Letty with Falk or Letty with Krug and Sanheim or Hannafin with the other. Like, it's okay because that third pairing needs to be Scandella and Bortuzzo. Oh, and let's not forget our number seven is going to be Brunovich, who is Tori Krug, but seven years younger. So... Yeah, it, that's it why makes I, it really I, tough. I think you're gonna have to get rid of Tory Krug. Like you, you're gonna have to make him happy and, and, and get rid of him and send him to a team like a Florida or back to Boston or the Islanders. You know, they're mm-hmm. they Flyers were trying to flip him back to the Islanders to make him happy allegedly, but the the Flyers didn't like what the Islanders wanted to return for. It was like mm-hmm. okay. Well, maybe Army's just going to work a deal with the Islanders then. Did, did you hear, uh, I think it was, I guess it would have had to have been on Tuesday, the comment that Jamie Rivers made about how the whole waivers deal could go down if Army really wanted to do it? Mm-mm. So he, he could place, I think after July 1st, he can place Krug on waivers. Either after or before, I'm not exactly sure. But he could place Krug on waivers. Any team has full right to pick up Tory Krug, and he has absolutely no say in it. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't get claimed, he goes down to the AHL, and it comes mm-hmm. completely off of the Blues cap. And then he plays down in, or I guess where, I guess they play over in, what, Massachusetts or wherever the hell they're doing. Yep, Springfield. Is. Yeah, Springfield. So now he's going to be playing in Springfield, making $7 million a year, away from his family, 
not wanting to be there and it basically would force him into saying okay cool i waive my no trade clause i'll go wherever you want to send me because i don't want to play in springfield mass <laughs> he's like it would take a long shot for army to be able to do that but my god it would be incredible if he did i mean i thought about it for a second i was like okay if any of this is true and again always count some of these nhl rumors right with a grain of salt especially because army doesn't leak anything yeah um and you're seeing all this and you're like wow that's a lot of information well if it was true and and he cost the blues that trade why hasn't it been done already like i would i would have right. sent him down to springfield the minute it happened yeah and so, there's a part there's a part of me that does wonder because apparently hayes and krug are really good friends so is that really what happened is that he was it and it, unfortunately it did leak out so now he's going to be public enemy number one that he didn't want to he wanted to decline his no trade or waive his no trade clause dude's been public enemy number one anyway well and it's stupid like you earn that right as an nhler as a 32 year old i guess he was 30 at the time as a 30 year old to get that as a contract and you know you're expecting to sign the contract would probably last you for the rest of your life and being 30 years old you'd probably have a young family if you have the family put in place as it is and you're probably looking to settle down in a place and you earned a no trade clause fantastic you got it congratulations i do not fault him whatsoever for holding on to it that is his right to be able to do it it just sucks and especially if that's the case i'm hoping that it's not i'm hoping that's not what it is and he goes out and he shows that he's actually a really good nhler still but we'll see I mean, I don't fault him for exercising something in his contract that he earned yeah. that both parties agreed to. And also, so anyone who's listening understands, there's the no-trade clause, which allows you to select so many teams. There's the full no-trade clause, in which I believe Tory Krug actually has. And then there's yeah. the no-movement clause, because I've seen a ton of Blues Twitter accounts, mainly one guy. I don't know if I want to shout out his account. I'm going to, though. Blues Views who yeah. is a complete tool and is like, Doug Armstrong hands out no trade clauses like candy. Okay, well, you know, that's kind of part of the game. But you wouldn't give Alex Petrangelo a no-movement clause. Do you understand the difference? If Tory Krug puts a gun to Army's head, Army's just going to yeah. send him down to Springfield. Right. Because he can. Because the contract allows him to do that. The yeah. no movement clause would be in a completely different situation. Tory Crew yeah, would have been playing for the Blues. And we had this conversation the other day in one of the text threads with your dad. Like, what, what do you really expect at that point? That I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I don't believe the hype that Petro did not resign with the Blues because of uh, the no movement or no trade clause. I don't think that's true at all. I think his wife wanted out and he wanted the money. I really think that was it. They had a new family. They had the three tri- or they had the triplets. They wanted to get into a different area. She's from here. He's from Toronto. They got somewhere that is you know a big place for them to be able to go to. The family can go. All that stuff. He got what he wanted, and then Army went out and got the second best defenseman that was on the market. He didn't overpay. He paid value. Did he give a no trade? Yeah, sure. But everybody gets a no trade now. Everybody that gets signed that is anywhere between twenty eight and over gets a no trade. So it doesn't matter. I mean, if we rewind to the Petrangelo stuff, and you you would have told me, 2019, Petro lifts the cup, you're like, oh man, he's going to resign, and you go, hold on, wait, what you're actually going to get is Justin Falk and Tori Krug. Right. I 
I would have been over the moon. Right. And then you get Justin Falk. And the shocking moment of, I know exactly where I was standing when I got the mm-hmm. text message. Like, great. You get the number one, like, up-and-coming American defenseman. Right. Who, again, people dogged on him the first couple of years he was here, and now he's, like, number one in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get Tory Crew, who's the second best defenseman off the board, and you go, okay. I think we're going to be okay. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes things don't mesh, or sometimes things take time to mesh. Tory Krug could be the best defenseman we have this year. And let's not forget this, too, that if COVID does not happen, the Blues win back-to-back Stanley Cups. Agreed. And nobody is complaining about what happens at all. Agreed. Agreed. And it, I think you still look back like, so you go with 1920, the Blues win the Cup. You have crazy 2021, or yeah, 2021 with COVID, right? No. no. 1819, the Blues won the Cup. 1920 was COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have 2021 that was still weird to start, and then the Blues made the playoffs. And then you have 2122, make the playoffs. 2223, we suck. We have one year. Like, I get it. The, the bar is raised now. You know, it's similar to the Cardinals. We got to win a World Series every year, or whatever. But I, you know, it is what it is. I would say this: uh, if you're a Blues fan and you're listening to this and you're listening to our, the sounds of our voices, thank you for listening. One, thank you for listening. Two, this is the first top ten draft pick you've had since 2008, and first ne- forward since 1988. Exactly. Nearly a, in nearly two decades. You, you haven't had a top 10 pick. Yeah. Insanity. Insanity. They have been the model of consistency for yeah. 30, 40 years. I was going to say, you're looking at a 30-year 30 30 year consistency. Though what, we've probably missed the playoffs four times, I believe, in 30 years. Five, like maybe. And it, it was the three years back-to-back. We missed one random one. I think it was... What, did we miss one with Hitchcock? I don't remember. Or no, the it was... No, it wasn't one of the yo years. I feel like they missed the playoffs in 18. Maybe. And then, and that, yeah, because I, that's what got yo on the hot seat, right? Yeah. And then yep. you miss one in 22-23. So, yep. I mean, you got it. There has to be some sort of leeway. And the fact that the, now the team looks good. And that leads me into my last question, probably the last thing we'll cover here tonight. Are the Blues done? What do they need to do? Is there anything else? Obviously, I think you need to shore up your defense if you can. How do you do that? Obviously, Tory Krug is the is the whipping post, um, but it wouldn't shock me to see something like Nick Letty or Scandella be traded. Colton Paranko is an outside candidate, and you get somebody who is a big ugly. Go get an, Go get somebody who's nasty. Shame on me for not knowing the prospects we have coming up as far as defense goes, but... Um, There's not much. I mean, you have Perunovic yeah. and Kessel. I think Kessel's played a little bit in the NHL already. No. Santini? No. I, I mean, you need you need a Robert Bortuzzo, but good. Yeah. Um, and you need somebody like that who you're not going to pay like nurse money and Pay him Correct. $9 million, even though he sucks. Correct. And and defense is such a crapshoot anyway. I mean, 
the league doesn't care about defense. They gave Eric Carlson the fucking Norris Trophy, and he was minus whatever, like yeah. 34. Plus minus is a stupid stat, unless you're handing out a defensive award. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, I don't. I think they're done. I really do, and I'm okay with it. If something else happens, to me, it's gravy on top. Unless something is like, unless something goes absolutely crazy, like. Let's say we do have to trade Cairo. If we trade Cairo for Clayton Keller, okay, I'm happy. Uh, but as long as we don't change anything drastic, I'm okay. I think the work that needs to be done is that that coaching staff needs to get together. They need to get on the exact same page of how they're going to play, and they need to get their lines set now and say, hey, this is how we, going into camp, this is how we want to run our team, and this is the way it's going to go. And I think if they do that, they succeed. So I'll ask you a final question then. If the Blues come out flat the first six weeks of the season, is Craig Berube's time as chief of the Blues, the tribal chief of the Blues, uh, over? Um, I don't think so. I don't. I, I think I, I think he has a very long leash. I think he has as long as a leash as Armstrong does. I really do. I, I don't hmm. think that he's – I don't think he would go anywhere. I don't think Army would let him go anywhere because I think they work really well together. What the hell? Uh, so, my uh, pen. I guess uh, the only thing that's interesting is that I would not want to get rid of Steve Ott at any point. I, I think he is the next big NHL coach, and I think he's gone next offseason no matter what. That so was my thing. Oh, good. That's kind of my thought process. Like, if he slips and Steve Ott's still on your staff, like, you have a coach in waiting who's not a coach in waiting, right? I mean, I honestly could see if the Blues have a decent year. And I'm not saying win a cup. I'm saying just make a run in the playoffs. I could see Barubi retiring and then Steve Ott taking over. Interesting. The Chief is getting up there. Yep. He still looks good, though. Man's built. Yeah. Somehow those fighters, they're all... That's, they're that's either crazy. They're either drooling right now, like in a wheelchair, <laughs> like they're Hector Salamanca in Breaking Bad, or they're like the fittest people on the planet. Like it doesn't yeah. make any sense. We know we know a guy. Um, I'm I'm not going to mention his name. Ran in the the Boston Marathon. Huge NHL fighter. Like played for the Blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's the, it's right, the headshots that do it. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. This was healthy scratch. Um, should we shout out our socials that we have technically? I don't have them wrote down, so I really don't want to go through the pressure. But you can follow us on the Benchwarmer Network and at Benchwarmer Network. Uh, our main podcast is Ride the Pine. You can follow that at, at Ride the Pine on Instagram, Twitter. We have YouTube. Hopefully, this will be on YouTube. Uh, you can listen on Spotify. You can listen on Apple. You can listen on really wherever the hell you listen to your your podcast at because. Our editor is absolutely fantastic in what he does. Um, and then we have Put Me In Coach that I'm pretty sure went radio silent. So if you like soccer, you can listen to that for about six episodes. <laughs> you build them up to knock them back down. <laughs> I am going to hear about that one. <laughs> the, I, I was going to mention the rant he was on this afternoon, you know, white knighting himself. <laughs> Good Lord. Great. Build himself a pedestal. All right, boys. Uh, Thank you for watching, listening, whatever you do, uh, and have a great night.